Welcome to the podcast. My name's Todd Fraser. Making the transition from a senior trainee to that of an independent consultant can be a stressful and, and confusing experience. Known colloquially as third-part teaching, important skills such as time management, supervision of junior staff, conflict resolution and change management are often learned in the school of hard knocks rather than informal teaching. To address this, a group of motivated Australasian-based intensivists have developed the Consultant Intensivist Transition Course, and one of its founding faculty, Dr Kim Fadani, joins me today to chat about this exciting initiative. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Todd. Thanks very much for inviting me on your podcast. It's very exciting to have you here. It's great to see things like this being developed, and I'm curious about its, um, its origins. Can you tell me what the drivers were for getting this going? I think um, the founding faculty all had issues on their transition <coughs> from senior reg to consultant, and um, the course director, Carol Foote, um, has got a business school degree and, um, and realised that there are many aspects covered in that business school degree, certainly in the area of organisational behaviour, which are very tran- translational to intensive care and to doctors, and, um, and I think that... Um, there's a real resistance among doctors of this area. Um, we're trying to bridge that gap. You've, um, you've focused on transition assistance for registrars to consultants. What are the major issues that you've identified in this group? I think that um, in all our training, we're very much focused on the technical skills aspect and, um, and also at a senior edge level, junior consultant level, we're still trying to be competent as doctors. However... As we all know, as uh, consultant intensivists, the medicine tends to pale into insignificance when compared to you know, the issues of conflict and negotiating wins and you know, uh, getting an operation for your patient on the unit and, um, and also issues of coming to a new hospital, a new unit and working with people you don't know, as, as well as the difficult issue of transitioning from a senior edge in your own unit to being a consultant in your own unit where you know, the roles are quite different. So um, I think um, there's many issues that we've all been faced with. And I'm, unfortunately, I think the junior consultant deal, has to deal with this silently. And uh, we hope that our course is going to create a vocabulary for people to, to use and therefore have a common language, such as is used in EMST, for example, that we could then talk about things about our MBTIs, our TKIs, our Belbin profiles, all this sort of thing, which we're familiar with and we want to uh, make transitioning consultants familiar with. Is this a widespread problem? Are there examples of courses like this in other specialties in other countries? Um, We're not aware of that. Um, Certainly um, some of us, well, all of us on the Foundation faculty have worked in the United Kingdom and um, the United Kingdom's got a very well-established management aspect uh, to doctor and consultant training and certainly um, I as a senior registrar um, went on a three-day management course which many of us were sent on uh, but it was more of a administration aspect rather than the organizational behavior aspect which is more the interpersonal skills and but if you look through the literature in the UK there's emphasis on sort of improving what they call self-effectiveness, and I think that's um, quite important. I mean, it's, it's, it's being aware of your emotional intelligence, if we could put it that way, and being self-aware and knowing how you deal with other people and um, knowing how you regulate yourself. I mean, we've all seen the uh, other specialty consultant 
lose their temper on the RCU. And you know, if you're aware of these things of conflict and personality, we know that's a loss of, you know, a lack of emotional intelligence when that happens. And you need to be able to control those things. And uh, I think hopefully the course covers these things, which gives you the tools to recognise that and deal with it. Do you think that we've been a bit slow as an industry to to pick up on these things? It's it's clear from from things like uh, the airline industry and their crew crew resource management principles that often bad events occur as a result not of lack of knowledge or lack of technical skills, but from the the other tools, these third part type uh, tools that we've been talking about. Why has it been so difficult to get this ingrained in our training? Um, I think, well, I think um, you know, as part of our CIT course, we do have um, elements of managing under pressure and we use simulations <laughs> as a basis to reveal all these things on the course. And crisis resource management, as we all know, is very popular these days and um, you know, originated, the, the bridge originated with anaesthesia, I guess, and David Gabber from Stanford in the early 90s. <laughs> and, um, and it's certainly, um, you know, very important, all this um, non-technical skills. I mean, interestingly, I've had contact with the airline industry, and it seems like, um, you know, <coughs> in medicine, we've, we're, we're sort of moving in different directions to how, <coughs> how they're moving. And, well, I'll certainly be, I'm having some meetings with the airline industry to see how we both are developing these things. Um, I, th- I think medicine's got a lot to learn. And, um, and I think the biggest problem we face is the lack of buy-in by doctors as to the importance of this. I mean, I think the personality profiling, such as the MBTI, is taken on board by many Fortune 500 companies, and uh, we completely ignore it. And certainly when I um, did my MBTI accreditation training, which as foundation faculty have all done, the fellows on the course all thought I was part of the management or the admin structure of, of uh, you know, the health area of Queensland Health, and I told them I was a you know, full-time clinician, and they were sort of a bit surprised. And the people who conduct these accreditation courses, they have great difficulty in getting doctors onto their course. They, they, uh, the only way they can tap into us is by getting people like us who are interested to get doctors to teach doctors. And that's, um, that's been a real barrier to getting into the medical stream and teaching these things. Kim, I've got a fairly uh, well-documented love affair with regional practice, as you might know, and uh, one of the revisions in the recent college curriculum review was to include regional practice as, uh, as a fundamental of training. Are there issues, do you think, that are different in regional practice compared with tertiary practice? Yeah, I think most definitely. I think um, I mean, on our faculty we've got people who work in tertiary quaternary centres and also people that work in... Um, regional centres and rural centres, and um, and I think um, you know uh, in the regional centres there's a lack of support there, and and it's happened. It happened to me, and, it, and I see it happen to other individuals where you become a new consultant and you're almost instantly promoted to being clinical director, and you have absolutely zero skills to be able to deal with you know things like meetings and negotiations and. You know, the concept of organisational immunology, where you bring with you what you think is right from other places, and obviously the organisation you come to instantly goes, well, you know, it's not like that 
where we are here and you know we're faced with all sorts of difficulties and i think the and i you know there's a well-known job which i gather has probably just been filled in our region and you know where you're the individual consultant or one of two consultants and um and i think that job's tremendously tough and um and i think um yeah, certainly where our CIT course comes into, where you'll hopefully become aware of your yourself and aware of how other people are, will at least give you some tools to fall back on when you're running into difficulties. I think, yeah, most definitely it's difficult as a solo intensivist or, you know, one of two intensivists in a small area. Whereas if you're in a big teaching hospital, you've got multiple people to uh, uh, get advice from, to be mentored. I think mentoring is a tremendously underused um, uh, you know, privilege that pe some people have. And I think uh, only very few people have mentors and usually that's due to them being um, sought out. And um, I've only had mentoring very briefly and uh, I can understand in the regional rural areas, there's just not that people around to go to to ask and guide you along your career pathway. The other concept that came up in that curriculum review was of senior registrar positions. And it, it strikes me that perhaps the aims of those positions is not well understood. What do you think, we, or how do you think that we could use those positions better or that training time better? Well, I, I agree that um, I think the senior registrar level is the uh, is obviously the first step of being a consultant and usually it's um, down to taking that medical responsibility of managing the patients and um, it's probably the first time you have to um, manage yourself and manage other people and um, also manage upwards and you know talking to people senior to you as well as junior to you and um, those things are very important and I think um, <clears throat> at the moment they're very much the senior registrar level is used as how to be in charge of a unit and very much still looking after the medical issues. But um, still then, when it comes to the political side of things and the you know, conflicts with other specialties, then that always tends to then be handed upwards. And, um, and I think surely at um, the senior registrar level, that's when we should be thinking about those things. But um, I think the vocabulary needs to be learned earlier. I think people need to be made aware of <laughs> that there are different personality types and um, different ways people work in their teams and there are different default um, behaviours that are how people approach conflict. And um, if you know those before you're put in that position, I think it will make you so much more better equipped to handle those things. Um, so, yeah, I think it needs to be integrated with that senior edge fellow role um, in parallel with handling the medicine. I would love to have had access to something like this when I started out my career in uh, as a consultant. And I'd love to, to give the uh, people listening some uh, insight into what you, what you teach. Uh, and one example would be that of uh, change management. And I'm just wondering how you approach that. What sort of things do you cover in the course on change management, for example? Well, I think um, yeah, in, the course is very much a degustation of um, different subjects, you know, with change, leadership, um, conflict, personality, those sort of things. I think in change management, it's, um, you know, we would just sort of pick from, say, John Cotter, for example. So the name John Cotter would be totally unfamiliar with most medics, um, I'd guess, but he's the, you know, he would be a lead name in change management. And, um, you know, he's got his seven pillars of how to affect change when you go to a new place. And, um, 
uh, you know, such as um, you know, creating some urgency in the change and forming some coalitions and you know, creating a vision and scoring some early goals and consolidating these improvements and then achieving bigger improvements. And it's concepts like these which are used and well known to non-medical people which can easily be applied you know, in our workplace. And, um, and I think people are just going into this blind. Um, and I'd hope that um, knowing things about change management, just like, say, introducing new practice, I don't know, using a PICO or vigilance or whatever monitor, which you know, the unit doesn't traditionally use and you want to bring it in, um, then you've, there are some fundamental principles that um, one needs to go through to achieve that. And I'd hope that uh, bringing in concepts of change management from um, such as, you know, in the management world I've just mentioned might be able to help people do that. Um, my sense is that um, this professional and career development is probably required even beyond the first few years that your course is targeting. And this is a, a point that's highlighted by George Skoronsky in his recent paper in the MJA on the greying intensivist. Mm. How, do, how do you see this concept evolving? Do you see that sort of career development uh, going through the rest of their careers? And what would you like to see done in this area? Well, um, most definitely. I think um, you know, our leaders at the moment, um, I, our um, unit directors, uh, I'm pretty certain the vast majority have not gone through any training um, you know, of any management description at all. There may have been some minor um, courses run locally, but um, formal um, uh, formal courses and personality profile and all the things I've mentioned, um, I think are important. And revisiting that is important. And I but and I could uh, I'm, I'm I'm aware that there are meetings of you know intensive care unit directors uh, intermittently across the states and the uh, country, and one would hope that they'd be able to use the language that uh, you know I've talked about to uh, you know, further improve themselves and deal with the changing generations. Um, you know, we're all aware of, for example, the current you know, Generation Y issues that are coming through with our medical students and you know, permeating through our graduates. And um, we need to know how to deal with these people and optimise and, um, you know, uh, their function. And, um, and I th you know, this is an ongoing, ever-changing specialty. Uh, it's a young specialty, but it's... Um, it's transitioning all the time, and I think, yeah, this needs to be continuously updated. But um, we've, I think we've got to start somewhere, and the, the sort of senior registrar level, junior consultant level that the CIT course focus on, focuses on is probably a good place to start. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I believe in this stuff, and I, I think it's core to our everyday work, and, uh, yeah, it should be there for ever-evolving. Um, tell me about the course. What can you tell the people who are listening who would like to access this um, this uh, type of course? What have you got planned for for the future? So um, this CIT course is, uh, was started in 2010. We've had three courses. We're just about to have our fourth course um, at the Urban Hotel in Sydney. Um, it's on the uh, 14th to 16th of November. Um, you can access this course through the www.toolsofmedicine.com website. Um, it's a, I'd like to think it's more of a boutique course such that um, you know, you know, there's good food, it's a good situation, a good hotel where it's um, 
kept in um, the small numbers. There's only 12 people that can get on the course. And um, there's a high uh, ratio of faculty um, uh, on the course, such that there's good individual contact between participants and faculty, and a wide um, variety of experience um, on the course, uh, faculty, as long as, uh, as well as m sort of multiple levels of teaching methods from uh, simulation to tabletop um, simulations to uh, workshop based discussions to um, and um, meeting people like hospital lawyers and people with interest in ethics. It's, I mean, it's wide ranging and um, uh, it's not a sit down lecture and talk like that for three days. It's got a variety of um, modes of um, educational input. And the feedback that we've had has been very positive from all the people um, that have attended it. And they've all sort of wished that they'd had it earlier and, uh, you know, and were able to use those tools when they've run into difficulties. Kim, this is a fantastic initiative and all credit to you and the rest of the faculty. Uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today to uh, tell us about this exciting opportunity. Thanks very much, Todd. Thanks for inviting me and on behalf of the faculty of CRT, we uh, welcome people to come to the course and uh, learn about these things and hopefully have a productive, uh, non-conflict, uh, enjoyable workplace. If you enjoyed today's podcast, why not visit our websites, Critique and Crit Nurse. Our websites are leading providers of critical care education resources. Our sites contain podcasts, video presentations and modules, searchable libraries and image databases, and much, much more. Critique can be found at www.crit-iq.com.au and Crit Nurse at www.crit-nurse.com. Alternatively, visit our podcast page on the iTunes site and give us a high five.